Welcome to Hope City Online. It's so good to see you today. and We hope you're going to be blessed by the message today. If you do enjoy our sermons, then why don't you press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss out on any one of our sermons. We upload them every single week. And if you want to give to us today, there is a link to donate in the description. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, Hope City Church. So good to be with you this morning. And uh, Pastor Andrew and Karen, Pastor Karen, so good. God bless you guys. Known you for a lot of years. Pastor Andrew, from when you were just a young boy in our youth camps. And uh, you've gone to do great things. It's a privilege this morning. I have something burning in my heart for you. And I want to share with you on the subject of revival. And I've always loved reading about revivals and being part of some moves of God over many years of ministry now. But if you have your Bibles, folks, I would like you to turn, please, to the book of Habakkuk. And uh, not Habakkuk a tea. I've actually got a cup of tea here right now, but it's Habakkuk. And uh, if you have the same Bible as mine, it's going to be on page uh, 1083. It'll be different in yours. But the prayer of Habakkuk. It's a powerful prayer, and uh, let's have a look at this here. Habakkuk chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 1. It says, The prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianoth. Now, as soon as you read that, you think, what on earth is that? Well, this is Hebrew poetry, and much of the Bible, in fact, the Psalms were written more as songs and much of it was to shout. Much of it had whole bands and whole choirs. And uh, we treat it very differently. But this also is a prayer that is put to music. And so the word Shigianoth deals, I think, with intense, deep and dramatic music because it's a strong, dramatic sort of a prayer. And so if you imagine it with some strong music behind it, it adds to it. But Habakkuk says this. He says, O oh Lord, I have heard your speech. I've heard what you've had to say about challenges and about um, the hand coming strongly on the nation. And he said, and I was afraid. And then he cries out and he says, O oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then it says, God came from Taman. It's an area of the Edomites. The Holy One came down from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was filled with his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hands and there was power. Um, at the hiding of his power, tremendous anointing. Before him went pestilence and hot coals followed at his feet. It is really a prophetic word of the coming of Jesus in latter days, but it certainly speaks to us, I think, about revival. What is a revival? A revival is different to church growth. A revival is different to week-by-week uh, -week church or consistent Christianity. Revival is a sudden release of God's power 
onto a community with such strength that the whole place is shaken and there's a massive sweeping move of conviction, the presence and the power of God. In revivals, it's generally sudden. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were all together in one place, in one accord, and suddenly, without warning, there came from heaven the sound of a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole place where they were. And the glory of God came on them to such a degree that flames of fire were seen on their heads. And burning in their belly was a flame of fire. And all of a sudden they began, as they went onto the street, to speak in languages. They were worshipping in languages they'd never spoken. Languages that could be understood by the Elamites and the, the Medes and the Greeks and the Egyptians and everyone around them that were shaken and they said, are these men not Galileans? But we hear every one of them speaking in our own language and the city filled with the glory of God. Revival is sudden. It sometimes hits with a violent sense of, of uh, power that brings people to deep repentance. Grown men falling on their face. The Welsh revival came with such power early in the last century that uh, literally they didn't even have to advertise. Halls were filled. And as Evan Roberts, that great evangelist, walked and sat in the building, men would fall under the power of God, grown men weeping and crying out in repentance of their sin. That is Sudden revival, Re revival that gripped a whole city so that in the first month, 70,000 people were in the kingdom of God. When do we expect a revival? When is a revival expected? A study of revivals in history give you a little understanding of the, the, the environment leading up to a revival. And I've been looking at different revivals and going, well, what was the political situation like? What was the moral situation like? What were the circumstances that in virtually every case stirred someone or a group of people to begin to passionately cry out to God for him to come and do something extraordinary? The great move of God um, going back to the Welsh revival came at a time when Wales was in a terrible moral state. It is said that guys would lie on straw beds or just straw outside of the hotels, rolling drunk. Alcoholism and broken families and immorality absolutely filled the city. It was a dark, dark time for Wales. And out of it, there was a cry in the hearts of individuals for something to happen. You see, circumstances bring out the best of committed Christians that want something. Difficult times pull out of the church the warriors that will truly stand up to be counted. And so in the Welsh revival, it was a young man, 13 years of age, called Evan Roberts. And young Evan Roberts was in a meeting with a man called Seth Joshua. And as, as he was in that meeting, Seth, uh, Seth Joshua was preaching, and he preached on brokenness before God. And the young man, Evan, was so touched by God that he hung onto the back of the, the pews, his knuckles white, crying out, Oh God, I'm only 13, but you, would you shape me? Would you bend me? Would you take hold of my life? 
And that young man then would go to prayer meeting after prayer meeting. Every time there was a prayer meeting, he would go. And in those prayer meetings, he cried out to God. So in his early 20s, he was a man committed to prayer and fasting. God is looking for men and women exactly like young Evan Roberts. And we have an opportunity now to touch God in a critical time in our history. That young man cried out to God until one night the power of God came into the room where he and his brother were spending nights of prayer. They were praying continually and every week nights of prayer, praying all night for revival to come. We need that sound in our nation right now. And then one night, as they were crying out to God, suddenly Evan Roberts was taken in the spirit and he began to shake under the hand of God. And so great was the anointing that fell upon him that he shook uncontrollably for several hours. And when he was able to speak, his brother said, Evan, what happened to you? He said, I have just seen uh, I've just been taken up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, I saw the glory of God. He said, I saw Jesus in his splendor. And waves of power were coming from his face and everyone that touched me. He said, I shook uncontrollably as the glory of God went through my body. Within a short time after, there was another great visitation and, and he saw whales taken up into heaven to the streets of gold. And it was only weeks after that that in the north and the south of Wales at exactly the same time, revival broke out to such a degree that within the first month, 70,000 people were in the kingdom of God. The newspapers later would write the whole nation is under the grip of some unseen power that shows no sign at all of lifting its hand. And that revival continued on so that the police were no longer doing arrests. Great multitudes were coming. The miners were coming out singing from the mines. The horses underground could no longer understand what was being said because the miners were no longer swearing and cursing down there. But they were, they were saved en masse and, and a great revival swept that land. We read of revivals that have taken place and again and again the nations were going through great difficult times. The first great awakening in the United States in somewhere between 1730 and 1740 occurred at a time when Christianity was so nominal, when churches were basically totally nominal. There was no reality of a born-again experience, very little, very little spiritual life, very little sense of urgency or passion, so little. And in that, of course, we had the rising up of the great man Jonathan Edwards, a man of fasting and prayer, and everybody that, that has studied revivals are, are, are aware of his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, where he described hell to such a degree to the half-hearted, lukewarm Christians of that day, so much so that they hung onto the pillars of the church for fear that they would slide into hell and they were saved in massive numbers. That was great preaching of, of fire and brimstone to stir up and shake a nominal church that was very much into compromise, a compromising church. The great move of God that took place under Charles Grandison Finney, America had moved far from God and America was in great need. It seemed to have everything it was blessing and prosperity and lots of stuff going on, but it was pretty godless. And Charles Grandison Finney, a New York lawyer, 
set himself for revival, set himself to see the nation change, and he would send his teams into uh, cities and towns and, and regions to fast and pray. And his prayers would go in and they would get involved in prayer, crying out to God, crying out that God would come and take hold of the nation. And the power of God fell in New York. It fell to such a degree that anything up to uh, 50,000 a month were coming into the kingdom of God. 85% of them were going strong for God. It is said that under the, the stirring ministry of Charles Grandison Finney, there was a prayer meeting on every street corner for a distance of 2,000 miles through every town and every city for 2,000 miles. That is when revival comes. Are we hearing that today? Are we hearing that sound today in our churches? We read of the, the revival at Azusa Street. The Azusa Street revival was... Uh, at the, early in the last century and the Azusa Street revival came at a time of deep segregation, of deep racial hatred, of incredible uh, segregation and splitting in the nation, godlessness and it rose up out of a call for holiness, a call to return for Christians and the church to return to a place of holiness and cleanness, out of compromise, a call to come back to an encounter with a holy God. The instigator of the great revival, the greatest Sousa Street revival, was Daddy Seymour, William J. Seymour, a, an African-American man at a time of deep, deep segregation, a man who'd had smallpox, one side of his face was disfigured, he's blind in one eye, uh, segregation caused him... Uh, during his time in Bible college under Parham, in, was it in Kansas or in Texas, that he had to sit outside of the, the Bible school because of the color of his skin. He had to sit outside of the room. He wasn't allowed to come in when they had prayer, and yet that humble man listened and waited, went across to Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, he took on a church, but he was put out because he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit that had not yet been received or given in that area, he was put out. So he went to prayer and he began to seek God and said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And the Lord said, pray five hours per day. Seek me five hours a day. And he did hour after hour after hour, crying out that God would come, that the power of God would come, that the life of God would come and fill that place. And after months, he said, God, what do we do now? And God said, step it up to seven hours a day. And he prayed seven hours a day, crying out to God until one night in a little house in Bonnie Bray Street. And I've preached only a few, really only a, a short distance from that area. The Holy Ghost fell in that little house and it fell with such power that people crowded onto the, onto the verandas and they, they crowded so many that the verandas began to break and they're all over the road, across the road and people falling under the power and meetings ran for six hours day after day after day after day and then into a big stable and God poured out his spirit and that revival spread across the United States of America. Something happens when someone somewhere gets stirred up and said things need to change. They need to change. They need to change big time. The early Methodists, had it not been for John Wesley 
and, and Charles, those great Methodists in the 1700s, if they had not risen up in the way that they did, then England could well have gone through the horrors that France went through. France had Voltaire, who really was casting them into godless atheism, while in England the Wesleys rose up with prayer and fasting, seeking God. Wesley would fast, or his ministers could not even be ordained unless they fasted two days a week. And he stirred the people up and he fasted and he prayed and they sought the face of God with days and nights of prayer and waited on God until they turned that country upside down. He and George Whitfield with massive moves of God that went across the United States and Whitfield over there was probably the man and is the man recognized as having brought revival to the, uh, the slaves, the African-American slaves came to Christ, particularly in great numbers, particularly under the ministry of George Whitfield, who preached so forcibly and powerfully that without even a microphone, he could be heard for a mile and a half. He would stand and preach like a lion, roar like a lion, and great multitudes would come under the conviction of sin. How we need a move of God where people become aware again of sin and its consequences, where people come out of the complacency of life and begin to realize that only a passionate generation of Christians is going to see this, this world turned about as it needs to happen right now. Every revival seems to come out of a time of great difficulty. It seems to come out of a situation where there is a massive need and a sense that someone or a group of people have to stand up. The Cane Ridge Revival was a revival that took place in America, in Kentucky, not long after the Civil War was over. It was a time of great unrest. There was still violence. There were still gangs roaming around, robbing. There were unemployed. There were people out of work everywhere. It was a very difficult time. Men came back from the war, and all they really knew, many of them, what to do was to live by the guns they'd worked with for so long now. And it was a bad time. It was a messed up time. But a group of Christians set themselves and said, it's time for this to change. It's time for this to turn around. And they began to pray and they began to seek God. And they decided that they would hold a camp meeting in a little church in Cane Ridge. Just a little church probably would seat 60 to 100 people max. And they decided to have the meetings. They had prayer meetings going every day. They had people crying out to God, fasting and praying. And then when the time came to have this camp meeting, instead of 100 people, 10,000 arrived. And it grew greater. And this massive crowd arrived and they came with tents and they came with all manner of things. They came with, with bullock carts and they arrived, families and groups of families. And all of a sudden, there was a huge tent city and people living outside and living under lean-tos. And preachers began to preach. They couldn't preach just in one little place. So now they were preaching in the outdoors, standing up on logs, standing up on the side of a hill, preaching to a great crowd below. And it was recorded that people were being struck to the ground by the power of God at a rate so quick that had someone had a, a Gatling gun, which they used in the Civil War, had there been a Gatling gun, gun firing on them, they could not have been felled to the ground uh, at the same rate as the power of God was being poured out upon them. 
We could talk about revivals under people like Billy Sunday, a little baseballer who came to Christ as a, pretty much an alcoholic in a, a time, a godless time in the United States of America in the early 1900s. He came to Christ and became so convicted that he wanted to bring revival to the cities. He would go into hotel rooms. He would go into the top floor of a hotel, lock himself in, and there he would fast and pray. People would, would come down from upstairs. They'd say, we think there's a man dying up there. He's groaning. He's crying out. And uh, can you go and find out? And they'd say, don't worry. That's Billy Sunday. He's up there in travail of prayer, praying for revival. How often do we hear preaching on strong intercessory prayer with groanings? How often do we hear about the, the groanings that are too deep for human utterance? These are the groanings out of the, the depths of the heart of a Christian that touch the heart of God. It's the, it's the deep travail and groanings and cry of a genuinely concerned generation that brings the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We can be content with a little touch of God on our churches, but I think there's a cry in the hearts of all of us in what are very difficult times right now for a great wave of the Spirit of God to go across the planet like never before. We talked about when is a revival expected? What are the conditions? And we look at them, and in most countries, there's either compromise, gross sin, all sorts of elements of immorality, all sorts of difficulties, occultic stuff, all manner of things that cause people to begin to pray. But if we look at our world right now and we can compare it to any time, the Western world particularly, in history, there's never been the time of such gross immorality on a global scale. There's never been a time, particularly in America and across the Western world, of such anti-Christ thinking and teaching, so strong an attack on the body of Christ, such an incredible attack on everything godly. In fact, we, we live in a generation where cultural Marxism is absolutely turning the, the youth of the world on a very rapid course into socialism, into Marxism, and ultimately into communism. And that, of course, is leading ultimately to a world that will be under a new world order and I believe the rise of the kingdom of Antichrist. It seems that every dimension of life right now is being challenged to the core. Every element of our life, be it even our freedom, is being challenged. Our peace, the economics of the world are under unbelievable threat. We watch what's happening across the world as statues are being ripped down and and chaos and, and great riots are taking place across the world. We're watching a generation rising up with a, a spirit destined to try and bring down the church and hold down the church. Let me say, I believe absolutely as the world seemingly is heading in an unstoppable way into a whole socialist revolution if ever the church needs to stand, it's right now. If ever the church truly needs to be the church, it's right now. If ever there was a time 
when Christians need to say, hey, the need is so great that if I don't get on my face before God, we have major problems. I wonder where the Charles Grandison Finneys of this moment are. I wonder where the Jonathan Edwards of this hour or the Evan Roberts, who was used so profoundly in the taking of, of Wales. Where are the rising up of the people of prayer? Where are the nights of prayer? Where are the half and whole nights of prayer? Where are the people? Where is the sound of prayer meetings all over the world of people crying out, Oh God, revive thy works in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, let there not be wrath but mercy. God, come and move afresh upon our lives. I want to put the challenge to you and I. As I'm preaching today, this message is burning in my own heart so strongly and the challenge is so deep and so real in my spirit. I, I've just been waiting for the Victorian borders to open so that I can head up to the Flinders Ranges and really get up there into that outback area that I love so much and seek the face of God. I feel the challenge. I want to ask you today, do you feel the challenge in this hour to pray and fast like never before? I want to put the challenge as a church. I want to put a challenge to your leadership team, to everyone in the church and say, there needs to be some churches that begin to set the way and set the standard and say, hey, we're going to touch God like never before. You see, God can move. It doesn't take many. He can do it by many or he can do it by few. And very often, it's just a few people totally committed to a revival that bring about the most extraordinary moves of God of which we've ever, ever read or heard about or understood. And I believe that that's the heart of your church. I believe that's the heart pastor andrew and people in the church and that's the passion to my heart and i feel the challenge right now and so i wonder right now if you would just bow your head in prayer with me for a moment and i want to ask you this question today before we do any go any further is jesus christ today lord of your life do you know him personally are you born again by the Spirit of God? Are you wondering where things are going? You see, great revival came under Dwight Moody at a time just after the, the great Chicago fire when people were uncertain about eternity. So uncertain. Many of them had narrowly missed being killed and they had lost friends. Many people are asking the question, what's happening now on this planet? Maybe you're asking that question. Maybe you're saying, where's stability in this hour? Where's a solid rock on which I can place my feet? Well, the Bible answers that very clearly and says that Jesus is that solid rock. The world has its feet on shifting sand. But God says, you can put your feet today on the solid rock that doesn't move. I want to put the challenge to you today to say, Jesus... I want you to come into my life to change me and to make me new. And so if that's you and you say, I would like to know that my sins are washed away, that Jesus Christ truly 
today is my Lord, my Saviour, and my King. I'd like you to pray this simple prayer with me. I'll pray it. You repeat my prayer. Just pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That he died on a Roman cross for me to cleanse me from every sin that I've ever committed. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to change me, to make me new, and give you my life. I receive you. I make you my Lord. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And thank you today. In Jesus' name. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I just feel before we close this meeting, I think someone can contact you. Certainly there'll be someone at church that can chat with you, maybe get you into an urban life group or whatever you do at church there. But get your Bible and start reading the scriptures. Start reading the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke's a great book to start. And uh, John's good a little later, but I'd start maybe with Luke and get into Bible reading and let the word of God become very real to you. Do you know, why don't we pray right now for those of you that need a miracle? I'd like to pray for people right there watching that you might be healed today, that you might receive a divine miracle of healing in your body. There's someone with sciatic pain, I'm aware of shooting pain down through your hip and into your leg, particularly in your lower back, and someone else that's struggling with pain right across the lumbar region of your back. The Spirit of God is on you right at this moment to heal you, to take your healing and your miracle. Someone's, someone has been battling and uh, with a uh, shortness of breath now that's been for a long period of time. I don't think doctors have an answer, but you battle with it. And at times, it causes you to really to go through some, um, some real uncertainty and some fear with that. But whatever your need is today, God wants to touch you. It may be a financial need. It may be a need in your children. It may be a need for, for one of your kids today. It may be for a breakthrough in some area of your business. This is a hard time right now, a difficult time for businesses. And so I want you to put your hand on the part of your body that's sick if you require healing. And if you are believing for your business or your finances, I'd like you, if you're a lady, put your hand on your purse or wherever you keep your money. And men, put your hand on your wallet, wherever you keep your wallet. And uh, we're going to pray right now. And I want you to believe for a miracle. If you're sick in your body as we pray, I want you to start to move that part of your body. Start to lift that shoulder, bend that knee, move that part of your body and take your healing. Whatever you need, God is here right now to touch you. Are you ready to receive your miracle? Father, all authority has been given in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And now, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, let your healing power, your miracle power, your breakthrough power go right into the home, into the life of every person watching right now. And Lord Jesus, let them be totally healed 
absolutely 100% restored, healed, released, anything raised up against them financially, any legal situation risen up, we break. Any opposition from family members, we break. Any opposing words that are coming at you to bring you down, we take authority. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, says the Lord. Every tongue raised against you in judgment, we shall condemn. We take authority over your sickness and command it to go. And we declare miracle power into that circumstance of your life. Well, praise God. It's been a great joy to share with you today. And I look forward to catching up with you live sometime. And in the meantime, press into God and dare to believe it's not necessarily by the great numbers of people praying, but the few that set their heart for major breakthrough. Something God wants to do something in your midst, which even if described to you, you would not believe what he's going to do. God bless you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Hope City Online. We really hope you were blessed by the message today. And if God's spoken to you, why don't you leave us a comment? We would love to hear from you. If you do enjoy our messages, you can press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss any one of our sermons. And if you want to give to us today, the link is in the description. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.